This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. What is up? It is betting breakfast on a Monday following selection Sunday in the start of NFL free agency, albeit the tampering period. Ben Heisler with Reed Wallach and Peter Dewey. The Monday crew is here well rested, supposedly, and ready to go heading into March Madness. Fellas, we got a tournament from the women's side on the men's side. I feel like it kind of set up very much so how we anticipated, where you, you knew that you had the Gonzaga and Arizona and then the two big 12 seeds up at the top, and then everything just kind of sorted out, I think, fairly nicely in place. Uh, any initial thoughts uh, on what you saw out of the bracket, at least once everything came together last night? Yeah, um, the thing I thought is I thought Auburn got a really good draw, and I, I like Kentucky's draw as well. Um, I, my, my big thing for – I have a – I'm holding a Kentucky future, so that, that I was kind of banking on them getting a, a, a nice spot. And I kind of like uh, the matchup they'll eventually uh, get with Purdue potentially in the um, in the, the, the Elite Eight. I think that Kentucky's offense and defense, is, they'll be able to counteract Purdue inside and Purdue just doesn't defend anybody. So I think that that plays well for the Wildcats. But um, I, honestly, I, I thought they did a good job with this bracket. The only thing I was mad about was that Michigan got in without being have to play in the first four. That was the only gripe I really had. I thought everything else was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting tournament because like we've talked about before, I think there's just so many teams that have the, the ability to win it all this year. I don't think there's like a clear cut favorite at this point. Yeah, I, I thought the committee actually did a pretty good job. I mean, I didn't think the bubble was anything. I didn't think there was really any, oh my God, they didn't make it. Oh my God, this team. Like it seemed like the 68 teams that got in were pretty clear. I and mean, maybe Texas A&M, it seemed like their kind of last week didn't count for anything, but it, I didn't have any gripes when I saw the bracket. I think you could argue over seeding and whatnot, but seems pretty fair across the board. Midwest, I, I'm pretty shocked they put Wisconsin and Providence in the same bracket, but again, that's kind of like nitpicky. So I'm not, I, I'm pretty satisfied with how the bracket came out. And I think there's a ton of intrigue across the board and definitely um, I'm excited to dive into some of these games. Listen, there. at some point, I actually love the fact that Providence and Wisconsin is in the same bracket because at some point you have to test and see which of the two teams is actually the luckiest, right? Like If they get to, if they get to play each other. If, if they get to play each other, <laughs> yeah. inevitably, somebody somebody has to move on. Uh, we'll, we'll go through some of our favorite matchups in the bracket. Obviously, our, our first-round predictions 
Uh, we'll go through those as well. Going to save our final four national championship futures bets um, for a little bit later on in the week, which you'll be able to find right here uh, on YouTube. If you're if you're watching us there, uh, we'll also have that available for you in podcast form as well. Also, some fun videos that that both myself. Peter and Reed are going to be a part of a little bit later on today on the men's side. Reed and I are talking with uh, ESPN analyst and also that of SiriusXM College Sports is uh, Chris Spatola. He's going to break down the men's bracket with us. Uh, and then Peter and I are talking to uh, one of the, the bigger insiders in the women's game, Howard Magdal, going to join us a little bit later on today as well. So plenty of coverage on both the men's and women's side right here for you on BetSided. Um, <laughs> I... I think before we really dive into the brackets, I just want to take a minute or two um, and just give a big thumbs down to uh, the GOAT Tom Brady for, for ruining Selection Sunday, uh, at least initially deciding to be incredibly selfish uh, and announcing his return to the NFL right as the brackets are coming out. Uh, big thumbs down opportunity by him. He could have waited maybe a little bit later when there was a lull, something that we could have had a little bit more opportunity to discuss. Um I, I know that this six kicks off uh, the start of the NFL tampering period. Already seen some quarterbacks on the move. Kirk Cousins got a one-year extension. Um, I, I thought the quote that, that set it up best, and I want to give a shout-out to, to Aaron Ladd, uh, one of the local reporters here in Kansas City, who basically said Tom Brady had about 40 days with his wife and kids and just ended up saying, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and, and anything to take away from, from Brady coming back? Obviously, I, th I think it makes Tampa Bay a clear, clear favorite um in the in the nfc south and then obviously their odds going up from 35 to 1 to win the super bowl to 15 to 1 but anything in particular uh with regards to brady coming back stand out for you guys and, and reed i can start with you on this one yeah i i'm a noted tom brady uh stand so I'm, I'm pretty happy to see the goat back on coming back to the gridiron but yeah the nfc also i'm never really believing the packers so i still won't but russell wilson leaving seattle the rams at coming off that Super Bowl high, I, this might set up for another Tampa Bay run. I guess that's the initial reaction. Uh, but yeah, I I don't really think I didn't even like digest a post Brady Tampa Bay for me to really kind of make a new take. So I'm still where I was. But don't forget that they did lose Ali Marpet. He retired a few weeks ago, so that's a big loss to what was a vaunted offensive line for Tampa Bay. So that's something to keep in mind as we head into the official free agency period. Yeah, you make a good point, Reed, because they brought back Ryan Jensen last night, which was big for um, Tom Brady to get his center back. I wonder if Marpet decides to come out of retirement now. Because he's of, young. So but, he, yeah. he's, he's young, Very so it's not like he retired young. It wasn't like he's a veteran, so we'll say. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a an interesting – I mean, I feel like we – like Ari and McMillan, he called this what, yeah. two months ago, the, the, right after he retired. I mean, like it's just – Brady was going to have a hard time staying away because he was still playing at such a high level. I was shocked when he said he was going to retire because, I mean, he you could have made the argument that he was the MVP last year. So I just I can't I can't see him stepping <laughs> stepping away unless his game falls off or unless he wins a Super Bowl and he wants to go out on top. I really think that's like his two his two ways because he knows that like if he was sitting on the couch and that's it's why he came back that he would have been a top ten quarterback in the in the league next year. And it would have drove him nuts, probably. So that that I don't I don't blame him for that. The Bucks is interesting. I think the one takeaway I have is really this opens up um, somebody else to get Jimmy Garoppolo and somebody else to maybe land Jameis Winston. Like there's there's just different 
guys that were potential suitors for the, to go back to, or to go play for Tampa Bay. Now that leaves, you know, another team in the running um, to get like a, a team out of the running to get them. So I think that'll be the interesting dominoes to fall. We've obviously seen so many quarterback dominoes to fall already, but I think just like Tampa Bay, I thought was going to go hard after a quarterback because they still do have a very good roster, even if Tom Brady isn't there. And now that they brought back Chris Godwin. So the fact that they'll be, you know, out of any quarterback discussions, it's going to be very interesting to see where everybody else lands this offseason. Yeah, I, I think we had talked about it over at BetSided about how Garoppolo to Tampa Bay would have made a ton of sense purely based on scheme, purely based on a little bit of narrative as well. Okay, you already have Tom Brady. You bring in sort of that Tom Brady sort of miniature version initially that, Tampa, that the New England thought they had in Garoppolo. Just go ahead and slot him right in and just hope that nobody notices that it's not the goat behind center. Um I mean, I, I wrote up something for Deshaun Watson's updated trade odds, especially uh, after Friday, where it looks like uh, his value is going to be back up. And certainly teams like Carolina very much in play. The Saints, um, no longer the Buccaneers, but, but certainly Pittsburgh potentially in play. Um, and don't forget about the Indianapolis Colts as well. Like if there is a team that is looking for any sort of consistency, especially just moving on from Carson Wentz the way in which they did, uh, sent a, a pretty impactful statement. I, I thought that they are doing whatever they can to try and make sure they get that position right, despite some of the swings and misses from Chris Ballard along the way. So plenty to watch out for. I know that uh, our guys over at Stacking the Box over on Fansided are going live today at noon Eastern to start off the tampering period. Make sure you guys check them out. Matt Verderam, Mark Carmen are going to be on for a part of that as well. All right. Free agency. Got that out of the way. Obviously, plenty to talk about more as that comes up. It's March, though. Come on. Let's talk what? some brackets. Let's talk some college boots. Okay. I, you know, I, I figured, Reed. I'm Tom were, Brady. Out of here. Listen, Later. Reed, I, I, know, I know that you were the one that said that you wanted to talk NFL this entire show. <laughs> that college basketball just wasn't in the cards for today. So I... I, I know that this is not an area. I'm, I'm just kidding. All right, we we got we got a fantastic round set. Do you, do you guys want to go with uh, with first round matchups first? Do you guys want to go around the region? Uh, talk about a, a, an opportunity in a matchup that stands out to you. I I the, the floor is yours, Reed. I, I'll, I'll let you kick things off. I'll I'll let you navigate here. You want to go with the the matchup that we should be betting right away, or should we start region by region? I guess let's go region by region. Then we'll dive in and we'll do. A matchup we like. All right, love yeah. it. All right, so let's let's start with the West. macro go and then move zoom in. Perfect. All right, so let's okay. start with the West. Obviously, Gonzaga, the number one seed in the tournament, um, they come in and then their their road to the Final Four. Um, I don't think it's particularly interesting um, because I I think you're going to see maybe an intriguing matchup against Arkansas moving on to the Sweet 16. And then the, the game that I, I think is the most compelling, um, assuming that we get chalk in the Elite Eight, number two Duke, or excuse me, not in the Sweet 16, number two Duke, number three Texas Tech. Like just very strong differences when it comes to stylistically, uh, defensive effort from at least the Texas Tech side. That's the matchup of all of them that I find to be the most appealing um, and I also think as far as like first round matchups go within this bracket, um, you know, Vermont, as much as we, I think we all like Arkansas, I do think Vermont can probably cover their number. Um, but Reed, go ahead and start things off in the Midwest bracket. Give me, give me something that, that really sticks out to you from here. 
Yeah, I, I'm more intrigued. I guess it, I find this when I first saw because this was the first bracket release. I was like, wow, this is a pretty loaded region depth wise because I thought Arkansas and UConn were two teams that could make a run in this tournament and they're not going to be easy for Gonzaga. Those are two teams with really stout interior defenses that could uh, put some pressure on the ball on Andrew Nemhard and especially in UConn's case, match Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy down low. So I'm really interested if that's a potential matchup, but if we're looking at the bottom, I, if Davidson beats Michigan State, which I think is going to happen, they're alive to beat Duke. I'll be betting Davidson in that game. But if Duke gets past there, Texas Tech's going to smack them, like straight up. Like Coach K, I've been saying for weeks, months, I'm saying off Duke futures, and this bracket does not give me any confidence that they're going to the Final Four. Maybe they match up nicely with Gonzaga. I know they beat them earlier in the year, but this Duke team is based on talent and talent alone. They are letting open jumpers left and right. Texas Tech's no middle defense is going to make Coach K's head spin. Um, if that's the sweet, if that's um, what we're getting the Sweet Sixteen, Tech Duke, that's a Tech play, open whatever it doesn't matter. Tech's winning that game, uh, so that's my I guess big takeaway. But I wouldn't be shocked if Gonzaga goes down the Sweet Sixteen either. I like, I like that a lot, Reed, because that's where I'm going. I think if UConn, Arkansas can both handle business in the first round, I think whoever comes out of that game is beating Gonzaga. I just – like, Gonzaga is very good. Do not get me wrong. They're the favorites. I get it. I just think both of those teams can throw a lot of different guys at Gonzaga, and they're just more physical. Like, they're way more physical down low. I, we watched UConn in the Big East tournament. I mean, the game they played with Seton Hall, extremely ugly. No offense at all, but they are going to muck it up down low with you defensively. They're going to make you work. Like, I hate that matchup for Gonzaga. I Like, I think Gonzaga, part of the thing that, that scares me about them is, like, they play a really tough out-of-conference schedule at the start of the year, and then you go and play the WCC, which was very good this year. Obviously, San Francisco and St. Mary's got in. But, like, you don't face any of these Power 5 teams for two months, three months, and now you have to go and potentially face an SEC or a Big East powerhouse in the in the Sweet 16. I, I don't like that at all. I think um, both those teams are alive to up, upset them. I just don't – I haven't been sold on Gonzaga all year. I, I, I know they're good. I just don't know how much I can put into to Holmgren and Timmy carrying me down the stretch of, of the, the season. I, I really think that's that's the spot I'm, like, looking to take advantage of an upset for sure. Okay, so if we're looking at both Gonzaga and Duke as teams that can be exploited from a weakness perspective, at the same time, do we then tr have enough trust in Texas Tech, who is not a good free throw shooting team, um, decent enough as far as, as their, their offensive output goes, but um, we know what the bread and butter of that team is. Uh, and then you have Arkansas, who I, I think has won some, some critical games down the stretch this year. Um, what I like about them, and I've talked about this with you guys, is that they were a, a high-flying offensive team the other, you know, a couple of years ago under Eric Musselman, and then they've slowly started to transition into being one of the better defensive teams in the country this year. Uh, 16th in the country uh, as far as adjusted defense goes over at Ken Palm. Like, do we look at both Texas Tech and Arkansas as teams that are that are at least – final four capable and if not who is yeah i i think that again these are, we're, we're projecting into the future we're, we're looking ahead like texas tech lost to gonzaga they held up nicely against them but of course that you know gonzaga has a leg up there i mean gonzaga is still the rightful favorite to go to the final four from this region i just think 
this bracket didn't come out so nicely for them where they're going to have a, a cakewalk where they can, they can win every game by 15, 20 and never be challenged like they were last year. I think that a UConn, Arkansas, Sweet 16 is an interesting matchup. And if Duke gets past Texas Tech, Duke beat Gonzaga and they have the size to challenge down low. So, you know, maybe Duke then becomes live. Like, I think that it's very wide open this region, probably one to five, one to five. Yeah, I could see UConn making a run. But again, there's a lot of talent here, a lot of interior defense. I think that this is going to be more of a physical region. And again, I don't think that spells necessarily nicely for a Gonzaga team. What about as far as an upset goes? Peter, I'll, I'll start with you. If there's a first round upset in this region that you're considering, which one is it? Yeah, I'm probably going to take whoever comes out of the playing game against Alabama. I just don't trust Alabama, man. I just I just don't. They have been so up and down this year. They did not play well in the SEC tournament. Like, I, I, am, I am out on Alabama. So, honestly, I don't care who wins the playing game. I'm probably taking whoever wins to, to be Alabama. I already kind of put my mind in that, that site right now. Uh, and Peter, or excuse me, Reed, it sounds like you're already on Davidson. That's the 10 seed over Michigan State. Any other potential upsets that you're looking at? Yeah, I, I haven't bet Davidson yet because I wanted it open like two and a half and I waited like I should have just bet it. But it's down to one and a half. So I might wait or like I'm going to I'm going to be on Davidson in some capacity. Um, after, also, I know we didn't mention it. Memphis matches up really nicely with Boise State. And then they're a physical athletic team that could give Gonzaga some trouble. I don't necessarily trust Petty Hardaway on a quick turnaround against Mark Few, but just keep an eye on Memphis. They they reek of like boomer bust. We could muck up a game and you know maybe pull an upset. So just keep an eye on Memphis. But nah, I, first round Davidson Michigan State is the only I guess small small underdog I'm looking at after that. And I think Arkansas takes care of Vermont to be honest. I, I'm with you too on on Memphis, especially over Boise State. Although it's not really considered much of an upset, yeah. But I, we, we, we we do need to give Boise State, I think, a little bit of credit, considering that they did win the Mountain West tournament, and and none of us were on, and we all thought that they were going to be very beatable in, in, in a fairly wide open conference, but they did deliver. Uh, now getting that eight seed, but but Memphis is going to be a handful, especially. Uh, if they're locked in defensively and if they're making shots as well. Um, as far as upsets go, um, I, I mentioned I like Vermont to keep it close. Not really much of an upset, but I will be betting Vermont against Arkansas. And I'm with Peter. I, I think especially with Alabama living and dying by the three, it, it could be like that game for Iowa uh, when they just mollywopped Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament because they were just making everything. And, and Rutgers is one of the better defensive teams in the country. Um, if Alabama makes their shots like you're, they're going to move on, but they're so inconsistent and they shoot a ton of threes and they're not a good sh- three-point shooting team. So I, I do think Rutgers probably comes out. Notre Dame, similar situation. They're going to slow it down. I think it's a good advantageous matchup for them. What about in the East? Baylor uh, looking to repeat as champions from last year. They're the number one seed. You got a dynamic matchup in the 8-9 with North Carolina and Marquette. Uh, another play-in game between Wyoming and Indiana on Tuesday nights that uh, I'm certainly intrigued by, but probably not going to bet it. And, and then, obviously, a few other matchups that I think really stand out. Um, probably Virginia Tech-Texas, I, I think, mm-hmm. is going to be a little bit closer than maybe most anticipate. And then Murray State-San Francisco. Uh, like, if you're just a college basketball junkie, I would imagine, Reed, that this is probably one of those games that you're just circled from in excitement level because those are two really really good teams in the seven ten. 
Yeah, it's really annoying that they had to match him up. I feel like the committee always does that, where like everyone loves these mid-major darlings, and then like they match them up and like ruin all the excitement. It's like, no, it would be great. Like they're playing each other. Like, no, we'd actually like to see them beat like high major, like Big Ten teams. You know, well, like, they, they set up the Kentucky Murray State, Kentucky v Kentucky battle. Like that's San yeah. Francisco. I don't know where else they would have put them, but yeah, I, I I'm completely with you. Yeah, from this region, a lot of really close first round spreads is what we're looking at. Um, really competitive region. Baylor, the fourth one seed, Kentucky, the first two seed. So that's kind of what you're looking at. This looks like to me a pretty nice draw for Kentucky, in my opinion. I, I think that this broke pretty nicely for them. I think that they match up really well with Purdue. I know Peter has a Kentucky future. I too have a Kentucky future. Um, you know, I just, I think really competitive region is how I'm seeing it. Again, I the upsets to me are coming from the right side if you're looking at your bracket. But, you know, Virginia Tech, I think, is live. I think Texas might be – I've been waiting for Texas to make their run, and I just haven't seen it, where Virginia Tech, you finally saw them put it together. And Texas, really soft front court. Virginia Tech, great on the defensive glass. I think that they're able to – I mean, this game is going to be a rock fight, but Virginia Tech has the far superior shooting. I definitely lean Va Tech. And – I also really like North Carolina. Just again, these are like really quick first round thoughts. If they're protecting the ball, North Carolina, Armando Baycott is going to absolutely eat on the glass. North Carolina can win that game big if they're able to protect the ball. What do you like, Peter? Yeah, I um, I love this draw for Kentucky, but I am concerned about the Murray State, San Francisco. Just I just don't want either one of those teams. Like if I was anybody, I wouldn't. I got a problem for you, Pete. You're playing one of them. <laughs> like yeah i know that's what i'm saying get one of them in the second round that's what i'm saying if i would either one of those teams just because i think it it they are two of the better mid-majors and two of the teams that you're like oh this team could go on a run like so that that worries me a little bit i also think people are sleeping on ucla man i think ucla is going to go to the elite eight i think they beat baylor i think they they kind of roll uh roll through that top half of the bracket i i like I know that they weren't as good in the Pac-12 as we thought they probably were going to be entering the season. Like they obviously Arizona was is just fantastic, but like UCLA looked pretty damn good this year. Like they they are the fact that they're a four, and I think this this comes out well for them. Baylor's been banged up all season, so I think they can beat them as well. I uh, UCLA Kentucky matchup in the Elite Eight I think would be an awesome game. So I'm kind of rooting for that, but I also think it happens. I I think UCLA is is one of the better teams in the country. Um, and you come tournament time, like you need those guys that the guard play and the the go-to guys and Johnny Juzang is definitely one of those guys. So um, I like the, the way this broke for them as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think UCLA's opportunity um, because I, I think if we're looking at that, that top half of the bracket, like if you're actually filling it out, not necessarily focused on the betting side, like that's, that's wide open for upsets because I think neither North Carolina or Marquette can take down Baylor. Um, I, I think UCLA can, can take down Baylor if that's the matchup that they ultimately end up getting. Um, you're, you're, you're right. As far as UCLA goes, like that's a, a top eight Ken Palm team. Um, it, it matches in with, with what we talked about. The just their, their inside is read like to talk about the, the almost famous category, their top 15 in offensive uh, efficiency, 12th in defensive efficiency. So they're in that category 
where 19 of the last 21 teams have won the NCAA tournament. So um, I guess I'm a little bit surprised that, that they fall into that 4C category, but they got mm. some big wins this year as well. So, um, yeah, UCLA, a very dangerous seed. And then I mean, are we looking at North Carolina or Marquette as a, as a possible 8-9 upset over a 1 versus Baylor? I mean, if it's North Carolina, they could bang inside against Baylor, who's a little banged up in the front court, but no. <laughs> I, I think UCLA gives a bronze. I, UCLA a lot of balance, as we just noted. I just – I went into the year down on UCLA, and I think they're they're now aptly closer to that four – they are a four seed, but like closer to that three, four seed than a one, two, like they were projected going into the year. So I think they're aptly rated. And, yeah, I think the bracket broke pretty nicely for them. I, I'm excited to see a Baylor-UCLA matchup. Two right. final four teams last year. Absolutely. Wyoming, Indiana, of course, that play-in game, the winner will play St. Mary's on Thursday. But if you're Indiana – Think about all the games that you've been playing lately. Like they, they might be able to beat Wyoming and maybe St. Mary's, but that next round, like you're just going to be so gassed. Like they've played, they will be at, they will have played, I think six games over a seven, no, not a seven day period, but um, I have to do the math. I think maybe over a nine, 10 day period for, for Indiana. And that I bet that Wyoming would... in the first four, I bet three what? and a half you could get four. I think that game is going to come Wyoming. down. To, yeah, that game is going to come down to the last possession. Yeah, and if it's the last possession, I, I don't have a lot of trust in Indiana. I'm I'm glad that they picked up their play lately. Like, yeah, they, the wins against the comeback against Michigan was legit. The win against Illinois, I, I thought they were terrific. Trace Jackson Davis was outstanding in that game. And then Iowa, you have you know another Bohannon brother, you know, screwing things up and doing what Bohannon brothers do, which is just crushing Indiana's dreams and hopes and ambitions. So um, that made yeah, perfect TJ, sense. And TJD versus EK will be an awesome matchup. You know, yes. it's probably going to come down to like two man game. The issue is, I think Wyoming has the better shooters on the outside, but like Maldonado versus Xavier Johnson, EK versus TJD, those two, those four guys, those two, that two v two matchup is going to determine the game. So. I think, you know, three and a half, four, it's a little too high. Fair enough. Uh, in the Midwest region, we go for the NCAA tournament on the men's side. Kansas, the number one seed. I, I still have some concerns about them, even with as good of a season as Ochai Baji has had in Lawrence. Uh, you have another intriguing match between San Diego State and Creighton. Normally, you would think of those two teams from previous years as high-octane offensive teams. Not the case this year. Both of them have been in the better half on defense. Um, I think Iowa and Richmond is fascinating. Like, I, I kind of want to start there if we can. Um, and I know that Providence, South Dakota State, like that South Dakota State right now is sort of becoming that very public favorite against Providence. Uh, everyone's going to have South Dakota State as that 13 seed to move on against Providence this year. Um, but but Iowa-Richmond, like those are two teams that won on Sunday. Both were surprising winners in their conference tournament. Um, I, I've talked about how Richmond is one of those teams that has like nothing but like seniors and maybe a couple of juniors. Like everybody on that team has played together for a long time and it came through against Davidson um, in the championship game when it mattered most. There's still some flaws. And then you have Iowa who is playing like far better defensive basketball than we've seen all year. And they're hitting shots. And Keegan Murray is one of the best players in the country. Like things might be setting up really well for Iowa, but they're kind of an all in or all nothing type of team. And so now I'm starting to wonder, like does Richmond have a little bit of Cinderella in them, even against one of the more dangerous teams in the country? 
Yeah, Iowa is definitely I since in the past month they're playing the second best basketball in the country um, per Bart of Works adjusted offensive adjusted efficiency metrics. So this Iowa team's legit. I've been bought on them the past like two weeks. I just they're better than they were with Luca Garza. They're better on the defensive end. Keegan Murray is, as the kids say, a problem. I think that this bracket broke pretty nicely for them. I think Kansas, Remy Barnett's healthy, so maybe Kansas has another gear that they didn't show necessarily down the stretch. But I don't know, man. Iowa-Kansas Sweet 16 is a really, really intriguing matchup. Um, Take the over. I, I, I think Iowa gets past Richmond pretty handedly. Kansas, of course, wins the one sixteen matchup. Um, I just think this is a, a weird bracket. I'd probably call it the softest bra- softest region of the four of them. I I think San Diego State Creighton. Um, they have. I don't think they have the offense to match up with Kansas, but in Iowa Kansas, that's appointment viewing in the Sweet Sixteen. And then I like South Dakota State over Providence. I bet that, and then we can talk about the bottom because that's where. I think a bracket broke really, really nicely for a certain team that I'm invested in. All right, go ahead, Peter, and then we'll get to the bottom of the bracket. This this bracket is the Johnny Davis Invitational, man. It's the Johnny Davis <laughs> Invitational. I, I, I the top Reed made great points at the top half of the bracket. If we want, I'll jump straight to the bottom. They, Wisconsin's chilling, man. They're chilling. LSU has a new coach now. Like Will Wade got fired because of the the turnaround. Like this just broke perfectly for Wisconsin because I. Iowa State, LSU, I don't care who comes out of that game. I think Wisconsin wins. And then, like we talked about, like Providence might be done in the first round. So, Johnny Davis and, and company, I think they kind of have a chance to, to get to the Elite Eight here. As crazy as that sounds, because I think we've all talked about how Wisconsin's a one-man show all year. But top half of the bracket, if Iowa can stay hot, man, I, I think they can beat Kansas. But I wouldn't sleep on Creighton. I know they don't have Nemhard, who's arguably their best player, um, because he broke his wrist, but they played some great basketball in the Big East tournament. I think they beat San Diego State. Um, and Kansas has been really good this year, but we've seen defensive games. You can sometimes pull off an upset when you just don't have – if you can really slow somebody down. So if they can get Kansas on an off-night shooting, you never know. I, I don't think I'd bet – I don't think I'd bet them to win, but I depending upon what the number is, I, I kind of like creating a cover if they can get to the second round of that that spot. Um yeah, if we want to, if Reed, you want to take it away with the with the bottom half of the bracket, I, I love how it broke for your Badgers. Yeah, you're you're much more confident than I am. I uh, I an LSU matchup kind of scares me just because they have the defense to really give Wisconsin issues and also the size down low to really just Wisconsin is one of the worst post defenses in the country. And Johnny Davis did not look the part against Michigan State. We'll see if that was the leg. Maybe a week off will help. We'll see. But I think this bracket broke just absolutely incredible for Auburn, who kind of sputtering into the close of the year, can't make a shot from the outside. But people are going to try and talk you into Miami or USC beating Auburn. Auburn's offense might be an issue, but they still have arguably the best defense in the country. Um, Walker Kessler down low, one of the best rim protectors. They have absolute uh, monsters on ball on the outside and Katie Johnson. Obviously, Jabari um, Smith might be a first, the number one pick in the NBA draft this uh, summer. So, again, Auburn, just looking at that path, I think they're easy elite eight. I I think Auburn is kind of going to pick up a head of steam over the next few weeks again. If they could find their jump shooting and really give the ball to Jabari and let him cook, this Auburn team is going to be elite eight. And 
yeah, I'll take the I'll take their chance against Kansas or Iowa. I'm I I think this of all the brackets, I think it broke the best for Auburn. Yeah, considering the type of conversations we were having about Auburn at the beginning and, and probably even middle portion of the season, and then I, I think they kind of got a little ahead of themselves a little bit and and puffed they out big shot. Yeah, well, well so l- listen to, to some of these stats for, for Auburn really quickly. Over the course of the season, they were in the 95th percentile in net rating, um, 86th percentile in offensive rating, and 93rd in defensive rating. Over their last five games, net rating has dropped down to the 70th percentile. Defensive rating is still really good, like you said, Reed. They're in the 94th percentile. But offensive rating has gone from, um, what did I say in the beginning portion? 86th percentile all the way down to the 31st percentile. Like at some point the, the balance has to swing back in their favor. And if you're talking about like an advantageous setup and, and good draw, I think it's a good opportunity for Auburn to, to really get back on track. So I'm with you there. All right, let's, let's wrap things up with regards to our bracket coverage and finally move on to, um, I just lost my, Place. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the uh, the Midwest region. Let's move on to the South. You have Arizona, the number one seed in that region. Villanova, a team that I remain very high on uh, in that bracket, although that matchup against Tennessee could be very, very interesting, but it's still an opportunity to fade Rick Barnes in the tournament. Perhaps this is the year not to do it. Um, it it's a it's a murderer's row. Probably the, the the toughest, I would say, of all of them, especially uh, with, with the top five seeds in this bracket. Um, and I, I still like Colorado State to potentially make a little bit of a run as well. Um, UAB, Houston, that's another potential 5-12 upset that we're starting to see more conversation about. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by this, and I think that the very popular one uh, out of this region will be Loyola Chicago over Ohio State. But uh, first impressions of the South read and, and anybody that might come out of it, as well as any first-round upsets that you like. Yeah, I, I don't think Loyola Chicago is an up. I mean, they're favored, and they're going to win. I think Loyola Chicago has a path to the Elite Eight. That's probably my hottest take from uh, the bracket. First-year coach, though, in, in, in Drew Valentine, who's done a terrific job, especially that you know they finished fourth. Uh, in their conference, but end up winning their conference tournament and uh, really playing well towards the end of the year. Yeah, but elite defense, I think that they definitely beat Ohio State, and I think they're live to beat Villanova. I just, I don't know, I saw the bracket come out, and I go, ooh, that's a really nice path for Oil Chicago. Also, Tennessee, I know they're kind of the flavor of the month, but Rick Barnes in the tournament, it's a thing, and it always seems to backfire. It's like the Matt Painter curse. They just, you know, I have like my coaches that I fade, and then like you need to change my mind. And then when you do it, great, I changed my mind. Scott Drew did it. Jay Wright did it a few years ago. Um, Rick Barnes, I think I, I can never back him really to make a tournament run, so I don't necessarily see it. Their offense still goes through dry spells. But my favorite pick, I'll be brief on this, is. My favorite bet so far for the first round, uh, UAB, Houston, eight and a half. That number is way too high. Houston, I think, I know advanced metrics love them, but this team just, I don't know. They just aren't as good as last year, I don't think. They're, they've been banged up all year. I think they're kind of running on fumes. Just I know they beat Memphis by like 18 or whatever yesterday, but they also lost them twice. They lost to SMU before. Just when they played a league competition – They've kind of struggled. And UAB, I know they don't qualify as a league competition, but they do have an elite guard in Jordan Jelly Walker. I'm telling you, this kid might go for 35 against this team. UAB's top 10 in three-point percentage this season. Houston allows the, against their pack line. 
a ton of three-pointers. They're susceptible to getting gashed. And I don't think their offense is that good. They're based around the interior, but UAB is a solid defense. They can generate a lot of turnovers. I'm telling you, UAB is live for this upset. And also don't sleep on Chattanooga either, but UAB eight and a half. I have this game closer to like four and a half. So I'm all over eight and a half. Give me UAB all day. I haven't been that high on Houston all year. I love, I love that you mentioned Chattanooga because that was the one I was going to throw out as my upset pick. Um, I am just not sold on Illinois, man. Like every time I think they're good, they they come out and they throw a dud out there. And this uh, Chattanooga team's got some of the best guard play I think we're going to see in the tournament. They have two really, really strong guards, David Jean Baptiste and Malachi Smith. Like they can, they can really play. Both those guys average over 15 points a game. So that's going to be an interesting matchup, I think, for sure. They also have some of the size to kind of match up with Kofi Coburn. So yeah, intrigued, to see, intrigued to see how that game goes um, for sure. And then I think also in the um, – in the bottom half, like I said it at the top of the show, like I just don't think Michigan deserved to just get a straight up 11. Like I think Colorado State, I believe last night when I looked there, plus 120, I think they win that game. I, Michigan is just not it for me. I, they have not, like they played a really hard strength of schedule, but they went 17 and 14. Like everybody's made such a big deal about, oh, they played the third hardest strength of schedule in the country. It wasn't like they what ran the table against that. Like they, they played very <laughs> average against that. Like I don't, I get the strength of schedule argument, but like if you're going to play 500 ball against the third hardest schedule in the league, like does it matter that you play the third hardest schedule? Like, fine, sweet. So I give me Colorado State in that matchup. I think David Roddy's going to have a big game. I just, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of over the the whole Michigan thing. I didn't, I didn't know if they were going to get in. I figured the committee would put them in because they were a preseason favorite. But I, I get them out of here in the first round, please. Yeah, if things don't go their way, Michigan can crumble as, as as seen in that Big Ten tournament game. Like that's a game that they absolutely should have put Indiana away at in a neutral court, wasn't able to do so. So I, I like Colorado State. I've talked about them as a team that I liked as a sneaky Final Four pick as well much earlier in the year. Obviously in this region, that's probably not going to be the case. Um, I, I will say this about Villanova versus Loyola Chicago, because you're right, Reed. like, from a standpoint of how Loyola Chicago defends and their pace, like, yeah, it's, it's going to be a close game, but what I love about Villanova is their experience. They don't turn over the ball. They're the number one free throw shooting team in the country. Um, and it's a coach that's, that's been there with two national championships that understands exactly what their strength is for a team that plays as slow as Villanova does. They're still one of the most efficient offenses in the country. I think top 10, um, so they, they know how to get the right shots and Loyola Chicago is a 30 year old head coach who's done a great job, but I, I just think he's going to be a little bit outmatched here, especially given the players and the experience across the board with Villanova. And it's also part of the reason why I, I think if they play the right pace against Arizona, if they slow them down, like I would take Villanova in that matchup as well. Again, like Tommy Lloyd's first year coaching Arizona. He's been brilliant. Like you could have made an argument for him and Mark Adams as, as coach of the year candidates. And even though Adams probably is the winner, um, I don't, did, did the, did the coach of the year candidates already come out? I don't even remember. I don't think so. Okay. So, but it's probably between the two of them. Wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. Mark okay. few won't win. Yeah. yeah. That, that seems right. But, but it's just, it's if, if Villanova slows down tempo enough, like, 
Arizona in that game against UCLA let that one slip away. Like there's been moments where when they can't control and dictate. No, that, are you talking about the Pac-12 tournament? No, that no, no. no. I'm talking about early in the year. Oh, I threw okay. I think Arizona won the national championship. I, they're they're talented enough to be able to do so, but I like especially quick turnaround matchup in the Elite Eight uh, with just a day to prepare. I, I do think Villanova can survive and move on to the Final Four. So they're a team that I like to upset Arizona in that matchup. So plenty of intrigue in, in all forms of the bracket. I know we've gone a little bit long, but really, really insightful analysis from our guys over here. Uh, curious to see who you guys listening at home uh, at least are, are having moving on in your Final Four and your picks for the first round, definitely make sure you guys hit us up on Twitter as well. Let's dive into best bets. I, I know that we've gone a little bit long, so let's just fly through it. We're all looking at the NBA. No college basketball games on today. Uh, Peter, go ahead and kick things off, and then it'll be Reed and then myself to, to close things out today. Yeah, man. Um, I'm looking at the Bucks minus two against the Jazz. Um, Milwaukee's kind of peaking at the right time. They're they're making a run. I think they might be a little uh, – might be making too much of a run because I think you want to avoid the one in the two seed in the East because you just want no part of the Nets at any possible chance in the first round. Um, but Milwaukee's won six of seven. I know they lost to the Warriors their last time out, but over their last 10 games, they're number one in offensive rating, number two in turnover percentage, facing a Jazz team that's actually 17th in defensive rating over its last 10 games. And Rudy Gobert is questionable for this one. Um, Utah is seven and eight this season without Rudy Gobert. Their defensive rating goes from one of the top 10 in the league to bottom five in the league when he doesn't play. So obviously an impactful player. Um, and then the other thing I'm looking at in this one, uh, the jazz have been turning the ball over a ton lately over their last 10 games. They're 27th in turnover percentage. You can't do that against this bucks team. They have very stingy defense plus Brooke Lopez is back tonight. I think that's an underrated ad for the Bucs. He's missed the last three months with a bucket back injury. Um, he can really he can really stretch the floor for them. Obviously helps their interior defense. Um, kind of lets Giannis play that like free flowing safety role um, back there. So I like the Bucs here as slight favorites. I'm I'm kind of been out on the Jazz this year. I think they might end up blowing it up after this season because I just think they're in purgatory of they're going to do the same thing year after year after year. So uh, give me the Bucks. Minus two tonight. Who do you like? Who do you like, Reed? Um, don't be so sure about uh, avoiding the 7-8 seed because the Nets might catch the 6 seed, which goes into my handicap. Uh, the Clippers plus now 6.5 at win bet, but 6 obviously works too. The Cavs in a bit of a tailspin over the last two weeks. They are 27th in net rating, 2-5 and five over the last seven. They're playing a Clippers team, 4-3 and three over the last seven, about league average, so – Team just playing a little bit more competent ball. They thrive as an underdog. I just – I can't lay this many with the Cavs given their injuries, given how their offense has kind of sputtered. I just like grabbing this many points with a frisky Clippers team. All right, Clippers now plus six and a half on the road against the Cavaliers. All three of us going with uh, with road teams today. I like Chicago minus four uh, against Sacramento. The Kings are two and eight in their last 10 games, uh, not playing any defense whatsoever. They're 29th in the league in defensive rating. Um, I also didn't realize this about the Bulls because for a long time, they were a terrible three-point shooting team. And with the success of DeMar DeRozan in the mid-range, um, I, I just kind of figured they were middle of the pack, but I, I looked a little bit closer. Uh, Chicago stunningly has the, they're the NBA leader in three point percentage. Uh, they're shooting 37 and a half percent as a team. 
Um, I, I think with Chicago, especially with Sacramento not playing any sort of defense, it allows DeRozan to have wide open lanes. Uh, they're not going to be able to guard him in the mid-range. Uh, he should have plenty of opportunities there. Uh, and Chicago's won two in a row, getting Alex Caruso back, already made an immediate impact on the defensive side of the floor. Uh, we'll see whether or not Zach Levine is going to be able to play in this game. But even if he doesn't, uh, I'm not entirely concerned. And also it appears that uh, Domantas Sabonis going to be out as well for the king so a little bit of a surprising line only a four and a half um considering that he's probably out but i i do think chicago especially knowing the circumstances in the east with things starting to tighten up a little bit uh that's a game that they should win and should cover as well appreciate you guys hanging out with us i know we went a little bit long today but obviously a ton to get into make sure you guys are following us as well on twitter instagram and tiktok over at betsided and check out all the continued videos that we're doing right here on youtube and of course all the previews, all the analysis for the NCAA tournament can be found at fansided.com slash betsided. For Peter, for Reed, I'm Ben. May all of your bets hit tonight. Until then, we will talk to you very soon. Enjoy all the madness, everybody. So long.